Luton Town came away from Goodison Park with a 2-1 victory to set up a tie with the cup holders Manchester City in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Alongside me to review the game is a very cocky and uh, potentially big-headed Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. We'll reveal exactly why after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Sports Trust podcast. Uh, as I said before the intro, we're reviewing the Everton Cup tie. And alongside me, the Lutonian journalist, James Cunliffe. James, the floor's all yours, mate. Come on! How many? How long have we been doing this podcast and I've finally got a score prediction right? 2-1. Get in there. This is episode 55, so <laughs> he's still got a bit of catching to do. <laughs> but, you know, he's off the mark and fair play to uh, fair play to him for that. And also fair play to Luke Palmer, 8997 on uh, YouTube, who also predicted Everton 1, Luton 2. And also, James, our 1,000 subscriber, who doesn't actually have a, an account, it just came up as user number, but a man from USA also said 2-1. So whoever that person is, Thank you for being our 1,000th subscriber. And well done on getting a correct score. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's enough about them though, isn't it? It's absolutely. Like, uh, I'm going to put these back on because I can't see them bloody thing, but come on. He walked into <laughs> the Hightown Club tonight like Vince McMahon on steroids. And, oh, not uh, him. No, he's, he's, been, he's been in some bother this week. <laughs> Definitely not Vince McMahon on steroids. Good. He's been in a lot of bother. It's a good point. Uh, Maybe like Rob Edwards coming over to a Luton away end after such a glorious victory. Like Rob, yeah, Rob Edwards, or at least the Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Do Warrior. Do some of this. Now, now, you are show- <laughs> now you are showing your age. The Ultimate Warrior. Blimey. Please no Hulk Hogan antics alongside me tonight. Thank you. <laughs> what a day, though. It was a weird day, actually, James, because I, there I am, minding my own business, walking out of Stanley Park towards Goodison Park. And some gobby little oik walked past in the most horrendous Scouse accent that you can ever hear. And he just said, use shite. And I'm like, hang on, we've already beaten you on your own patch. We're a point behind you and we'll go above you when we win the game in hand. And we're about to beat you this afternoon as well. What's this use a shite all about? But, you know, he was nowhere to be seen after the game, predictably. And then first thing I see when I get into the ground, this banner's unfurled. We shall not be moved in the home end, it said. And I'm like... The fact that you're moving is exactly why you're in all these problems anyway. So it's a very weird start to the day, but from a looting point of view, it couldn't have been a better day, really. Sounds like they're delusional on the toffees, mate. Well, <laughs> they've had a bit too too much of something coming I mean, toffee. They, they need to get, they need to get, they need to start realising where they are, really. Luton have just won twice in a matter of months at Goodison Park. Told you that would happen, didn't I? You did. I got the score right and everything. You did. You did get the score right. I mean, it's got to the stage where Goodison Park's such a fortress for Luton Town that we might actually apply for our home game against them to be played at Goodison Park that we can win again. Um, 
This one, though, was much different to the first one. This The, the first one, let's have it right, we were kind of hanging on, watching the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, you know, between our fingers, hoping that nothing sort of landed in the back of our net. This time was a controlled performance. And, you know, but for a couple of defensive disasters in the lead up to their equaliser, I think they could still be playing now and they wouldn't have scored. Whereas only their goalkeeper knows how only we scored once prior to injury time because you know if you if you didn't know where the game was taking place you'd have said Luton were the home side on Saturday I mean you just have to really take the two games the league one and this one and just say how vastly improved Luton have become and we've been talking about this in podcasts for a while now um the the learning curve and the improvement has been quite steep and then now this is the third game in a row where Luton have dominated the ball possession-wise and that's that's now what Luton are becoming. Whereas before it was sort of like contain them, hit them on the break, which you can still do, obviously, because they've still got the players. But now you're going up to Goodison and you're keeping the ball. And that is a remarkable uh, rise and turn of events from what we've seen in the past, from where Edward started his tenure last season uh, to where they got to the Premier League and they started figuring it out and to now it's just um, it's just wonderful to see and uh, you have to take your hats off to everything that they're doing at that club because bloody hell that was a that was a performance it absolutely was it was such an enjoyable watch from a Luton perspective it was you know it was like you say it was controlled what I like about it is Ross Barkley, Sambi Lukonga, Andros Townsend kind of attributed as the ones that lead the possession-based football. Everyone was comfortable on the ball on Saturday. Everyone had the ball. Andros would go to Chio, Chio inside to Burke, who was immense. Ted Amengi, Amari Bell, Alfie Doughty, they were all so comfortable on the ball. Carlton took the ball. He was laying it off. It was just the possession football. We were going through the thirds. We were... We were really dominating and look, and actually we were looking like a, a mighty fine Premier League side yesterday. That's what's, that's what's happening before our very eyes. That's what's happening. And it's really, it's just amazing to see. Um, but to go up there and do it in a game where, you know, legitimately you could say in the previous round, they dropped off their standards because it was a lower team from a lower league and it's no disrespect to Bolton. You know, the psychology there probably is that that's what happened against Bolton. And then Edward said they'd like to get a Premier League team because then at least they know the standards they have to bring. Um, the fact it was Everton, I think, is doubly delicious because if you're talking psychology, then the effect that that can have on Luton now going forward and Everton going forward in the league is right up there with the effect of that last minute goal against Burnley for for the different different fortunes of the two teams and thankfully both times the team on the absolute yeah absolutely um let's go to the team selection then the thing I love about cups is it's the opportunity for players that we wouldn't normally talk about on this podcast to shine and we are going to talk about two or three in particular down the line but obviously we knew the goalkeepers were going to change that's going to happen in the cups all season Tim Krull came in We'll discuss his um, role in the second goal uh, a little bit later. No Gabe Osho, though. 
But Reese Burke played full 90 minutes and that's brilliant. We needed to get more minutes into him. The fact he played all 90 was important. Uh, and also it just shows that we have got options at that back line, even without Mads, who's injured, without Tom, obviously, who we know we're going to be without for the foreseeable. And Gabe, we still had three mighty good centre-backs who just kept the Everton attackers in their pockets, really. And then there's still Potsy on the bench as well. Exactly. I mean, yeah, Gabe ankle injury and it looks like he's going to be okay for Brighton. We'll find out uh, in the pre-match presser. But I've been saying for a long time, even last season, that I'm not bothered who plays in that Luton back line. Whoever it is comes in and does a, a fine job. The difference, I guess, in the Premier League is the, the quality and the finesse of trying to open other teams up and that's where it comes in. But you know, what, whoever plays in that back four, if it's a back five, is going to put in a great shift. And that's what we saw yesterday, really. And the fact that Bert's come back is magnificent, um, considering the injuries. Um, but bloody hell, what a signing Ted and Mengi is. Honestly, Manchester United, what on earth are you playing at? You're an absolute joke of a club for letting that fella go. For the price that they let him go for as well. I mean, when we sell Ted and Mengi, let's hope that day doesn't come for an awful long time. But when we sell Ted and Mengi, he's not only going to be Luton's most recouped transfer in terms of transfer fee. I mean, we are looking at an extraordinary amount of money by anyone's language, not just Luton Town's language. I mean, if you think the Man United paid roughly 80 million for Harry Harry Maguire, you know, you've got to be looking on a par of 60 and upwards, haven't you? If not, if not higher than that, it, it is crazy how good this kid is. And he is a kid, 21 years old. Let's not forget. I mean, this will be the thumbnail. I know it will. And, but I don't think, and 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 it is a big statement. I don't think I've seen a better individual performance in a Luton shirt this season than Ted and Mengi yesterday. He was absolutely oh. immense. It's a big statement, but I mean, it's hard to argue against. He was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the bloke must have the biggest pockets in the world because somehow he's fit better in there. Um, um, but yeah, what, what, I mean, that last ditch tackle, um, just the shithousery as well, uh, around the place, but just generally dominating, uh, at Goodison Park. And, you know, he's been, he's been, Robert, Robert Edwards called him a revelation a couple of weeks back and you, he can't argue with that. He is because he come in and he had to bide his time and you were thinking he'd probably be like an impact player. If, if somebody needs to come in, he's first name on the team sheet now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, you just got to think, you know, what are we four months out from his debut at Exeter? You know, where it was obvious that he was better than, I think even people, you know, even the ones that signed him, he was obviously, he's better than um, they thought. But to be this good, I mean, you know, I can see why there's lots of teams after him. He is, he is so good. He's so physical. He's so aggressive. When, when strikers do get the other side of him, he's so quick and he's back on them like a shot. He's aerially dominant. He gets in front of strikers to win the ball. He's so good on the ball. I mean, he's 21 years old. I ain't, I can't see a weakness to this kid's game. Uh, well, other than playing at Bolton because he did have a bit of a shocker <laughs> at Bolton, but. You know, against so Pre- did everyone there. absolutely, yeah. Against Premier League teams, I cannot, 
I cannot see a weakness. And he's played right side of defence. In fact, that's usually where he plays. He played left side of the defence uh, at Bolton and a couple of other times. Yesterday, he was right in the middle. And um, and let's be honest as well. Let's let's realise that Rob asks his defenders to do things that not many managers will ask their defenders to do. We go three on three or man on man with our three centre backs. Aren't many most most centre backs in this league, or particularly the cart horse ones, they need someone covering behind. Our defenders don't get that. They're all man for man, and for this guy to come in and be as good as he is four months in from his transfer, I mean, wow, what what a player! And like I say, I haven't seen a better individual performance this season in a Luton shirt than Mengi yesterday. He was yeah. brilliant. It's defensive evolution as well that, that that being asked to do that, but you know that. Gabe can do that. We've seen that plenty. And now that he's now that Tedden's coming in, coming to the fore, it's like, you know, we were we weren't thinking about football when Tom um had a cardiac arrest. We weren't. And we're still not in terms of Tom, we're still not thinking about football. We just want him to be okay. But if you were to think about football, you'd think Tom's a big miss. And he is a big miss because he's a captain and he's a leader and he's well respected. But when you've got players that are coming in and stepping up to that level, your your fears are eased a little bit, aren't they? It's, they've eased a lot, yeah. Mm. I mean, as you said, Beto was in his pocket. If Calvert-Lewin wanted to jump in as well, he could have got in it. But I think we realised there's no point in having him in a pocket because he looked absolutely terrible yesterday. But yeah, no, Ted well, Maggie. If you touch Calvert-Lewin, he falls over. So. He does. Well, we're going to come <laughs> on to that in a minute. In fact, why not? Let's come on to it now, really. I mean, Luton were dominating the play. It's a first half of absolute control. Can't can't really remember. If uh, they had one shot, didn't they, that fizzed past the post. I think that was better. It was better, actually. yeah. Um, but apart from that, I mean, Tim Krull, thankfully, hasn't had a shot to save in that first half. And it was just a matter of time, or it felt just a matter of time before Luton were going to take the lead. 90 seconds in, we had that chance with Alfie at the back stick. I don't know why Carlton left it. It looked like he had a free header to mm. put it on goal, but he did leave it. Alfie skied it. And a couple of other ones, Barkley skied one as well, didn't he? And I think Townsend had a shot that went just wide. But then we get a corner and we'd been troubling them from corners all the time. And obviously in the league game, we did as well. Lovely ball in from Alfie. Ross Barkley stands his ground, really. Calvert-Lewin falls over like Bambi on ice. And um, not for the first time in recent times. Thankfully, the opposition think, oh, go on then, stick it in the top corner for us. And very nice of you, Mr. Mikolenko. Yeah, I mean, I think the same similar sort of thing that I thought about um, the Burnley goal. It's different because that's the goalie and usually you touch a goalie and it's it's a foul. But as we discussed in that Burnley um, review podcast, it just wasn't. And that should be like a watershed moment for how goalkeepers are treated. And hopefully things like this should be similarly for for any other contact in the in the box. I mean, VAR's not done a lot of good this season and people rightly furious with a lot of it but if it can if one good thing it's done this season if it can ensure that we're playing a man's game where contact is allowed then hopefully that's got to be it because the it was minimal I mean I I can see it from Everton's point of view because they're used to this being the rule and this happening as the rule that if you put your hands on the back 
then it's a then it's a foul. But he's barely touched him, and and similarly for what James Trafford did in in the Burnley goal when he felt the contact, when Calvert Lewin's felt it, he thought, well, I'll just you know fall over because there's not enough there to shove him out of the way. And, he, and he's and he's trying to sell a foul that just isn't there. Yeah, I mean, my two comments on it would be switch it round. And if Calvin Lewin pushed Barkley, would we have, would it have been a penalty? No, absolutely, it would not have been a penalty. And also, my other thoughts on this. And if there's ever any Everton fans watching it, and you think that I'm only saying it from a Luton persuasion, look back to the Brentford game that we had. Calvert Lewin has to be stronger in much the way the same way that back in Brentford in December. Tahith Chong had to be stronger when he went down on the floor claiming that he was fouled. Mm. You know, you have to be strong. And if you're strong enough, he'll have stood up and I don't know if he'll have headed it away because I don't think the flight of the ball was on his head anyway. It cleared Barkley fairly well and Cavalier was in front of him. But if you're stronger, you can at least put someone behind you off. That's it, isn't it? He just wanted to go straight to the floor. That's exactly it. If you are stronger and you try and go for it, even if you're not going to get the header, maybe you interrupt the line of sight of somebody or the flight of the ball. They don't judge it so well. So it doesn't end up in the way that it did. But just to go to do that and expect a foul, I'm I'm all for far calling that as nothing. And it did. It went to the video assistant referee. They had a good look. And I mean, you can, you can complain all you like after that, but if they've watched the the replay, then hopefully, fingers crossed, that these things are going to get nipped in the bud, really. Yeah, indeed. And also, you have to know your referees, because they are different, even though they're supposedly refereeing to the same rule book. Now, I like Simon Hooper as a referee. I think he's one of the better referees because he tries to let the game flow. We've had him on a number of occasions. A number of our big nights have been with Simon Hooper, uh, referee, and obviously did the Portsmouth game in League One. He did the Sunderland playoff second leg last season. Uh, unfortunately, he did the Bournemouth game as well, which, you know, mm. doesn't go down in the record books anymore. But on each occasion, Luton have won physical games and he lets players be physical without blowing up for the slightest little thing. And that's what I liked about him. Yesterday, there were a few things that I didn't like. Mostly came from James Tarkowski, Tarkowski, who, for the want of a better word, is just a glorified thug, really. An elbow in Morris's face or chin or somewhere in that vicinity. That's not what's in the game. But genuine physical contact within a contact sport should be allowed. And he allows it. And and I'm absolutely fine with it. And it's not like he does it once and then doesn't do it in the next game. So if Calvert-Lewin had known his referee, he would surely have known he has to be stronger in that situation. And I I don't see a problem with it. And um, thankfully VAR didn't either. And we got our deserved lead at half time. Yeah. But like the Burnley one, it was another one of these situations where I thought before, as VAR were looking at it, I thought, well, they might, chalk that off because that's what has always happened in for time immemorial but um i'm glad it didn't and if that's the case then you know players will quickly learn they'll, they'll quickly learn as they do with all the sort of rule changes um and you're only you've only got to get stung once to not do it again if you do it again you're an idiot um but you know i i thought it was a goal um it came at a fantastic time it it quietened the crowd quite significantly um and yeah it's uh 
It was it, it was just it was everything that Luton deserved in that in in that first half because if you think back to the league game they were lucky not to be three 0 down after fifteen minutes and that wasn't the case in the first half they were the better team. Yep, they were unlucky not to be three 0 up after fifteen minutes in this one, and they were unlucky not to go two 0 up early on in the second half. Yet another Alfie Doughty corner, and we were sat right behind uh, Doughty's uh, right behind that corner flag on the left hand side as Luton were attacking and. Doughty's crossing was just absolute peach. Just the curl that he got on it each and every single time. Uh, and Morris Header, brilliant save from the goalkeeper, actually, and um, kept it at 1-0. Otherwise, if we'd got 2-0, you kind of thought we'd relax. They'd have probably been looking at their next league game and we'd have run out very, very comfortable winners. We probably should still have run out very comfortable winners, but then, well just a shambolic catalogue of errors really wasn't it for their equaliser unfortunately Amari slips when um, Harrison comes back into um, comes back inside Amari slips these things happen and literally Alfie's half a yard half a half a metre away from being there to block the Harrison shot but he shouldn't have needed to have worried about blocking the Harrison shot I mean Tim Krull has to save that doesn't he he does. He does. I'm just going to put these on because I'm wondering why I couldn't hear my dulcet tones. There you go. There's, how's that for continuity on the on the video? If you're on the audio, you're none the wiser. I wasn't wearing my headphones. Um, yeah, it was, it was a howler. It was it was a it was a real rick. But um, and it's not the first one, really. I mean, he's a decent he's a decent second choice, isn't he? But he's not going to depose Thomas Kaminsky anytime soon um, doing that. And the one at Bolton that he nearly punched in. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, it gave them a lifeline when really they didn't really, they didn't deserve one. Um, and yeah. And also their goalkeeper pulling off a string of saves as well, kept them in it, but it, it should have been far more comfortable really than a, than a last gasp winner. But um, we do love them. We absolutely do. Yep. Uh, yeah. Very good distribution, Tim Crawl. I thought his distribution yesterday was absolutely superb. And I suppose that's the one thing that you can kind of criticise Kaminsky for if there is anything left to commit. So if we can like snatch that part from Crawl and stick it into Kaminsky, we'll have a perfect goalkeeper. But yeah, he's, I mean, he don't need me to tell him he's got to save that. He'll know it full well, but yeah. You know, to be fair, he hadn't had anything to do up until that point, and he had nothing to do after that point either. Thankfully, so I think his kicking under pressure is quite good, actually. If I'm going to give him something, I think he's he yeah. No, that's good, what I mean. His distribution is really, yeah. really good. Yeah, he picks out a Luton player more often than not, and um, you know, he, you know, I mean, at Burnley, for example, everything Kaminsky kicked cleared Alfie Doughty by yards not the case yesterday so yeah Krull deserves a little bit of credit for that absolutely but what you also deserve an awful lot of credit are the 11 play- sorry the 10 outfield players on the pitch because they didn't let that howler um, get to them they just set to work of getting their goalkeeper out of the mire very very nearly 60 seconds later we were nearly back in front when their defender slips this time and Elijah's away and gone. I was shouting because Townsend was free in the middle, roll it across, roll it across, but he never really separated himself from the path of the defender when you see it on television. So Eli's right to go in on goal, curls it in the corner, it looks in for all money. The goalkeeper makes a brilliant fingertip save. He does, but it's a decent height. I think if Elijah tries to skim that along the turf, I think it's diff- more difficult for him to get down to it. And um, you're right, in real time, I was thinking <laughs> to square it because that's an easy tap in. Um, and I think probably Andros Townsend will still feel that way, but 
Um, it was it was a good save, but a decent height, I think. But when um, they did get slightly lucky, or you could say, I suppose, it's good defending, shortly after, lovely move down the right-hand side, Andros Townsend cuts in. When's he pulling the trigger? Is he, no, he's not pulling trigger. Goes around the goalkeeper. Surely he's pulling the trigger. No, he's seen Eli in space. He's rolled it across the six-yard box. Eli's going to tap it in. No, he knows that Morris is in an even better position behind him. He steps over it. Carlton puts it towards goal. And out of nowhere, the defender just comes in, clears it off the line. It is absolute loot and domination mm. throughout this game. Yeah, I mean, there was two on the line at that point as well. So it's probably a difficult one to score. I mean, if you hit it harder, maybe got a, a better connection, it, it could have gone in. But I mean, he's he's had his winner at Goodison already this season, hasn't he? So we, we'll forgive him that one. But it it, it really was. Luton had they carved out the better chances. Um, they kept more of the ball. They showed more attacking intent. I mean, social media is full of toffees just whinging about how their players don't create anything, and that was the Taylor's Taylor's hate really. Yep, there's not an awful lot of creative players in there. So I mean, to be fair to them, Decore was missing. He's easily their best player. But on the flip side of that, you didn't have Ashley Young. So what you gain on the swings, you lose on the roundabout anyway. <laughs> um, and you kind of, we got to that period, it was kind of like a, an international where all the subs started happening and it looked like both teams were settling for what what was going to be a replay and looking ahead to the next Premier League game and everything else. But there's one thing this team doesn't do and it doesn't stop. And we've said it time and time again. And I've said on these podcasts, I love it when cocky little twats get their comeuppance, right? Now, we scored deep into injury time, of which there wouldn't have been anywhere near the period of injury time there was if that Everton forward, whose name I can't even pronounce, didn't get a bit too entitled and square up to Reese Burke, who did nothing wrong anyway. So he's created another 90 seconds from nowhere and then Luton scoring those 90 seconds. Thanks very much, mate. We'll go and play Man City in the next round and you can carry on your relegation push. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. A bit of frustration. I mean, I've seen those sorts of things end in a red because there was heads moving towards each other and so I thought Reese might have been a lucky boy but I mean to be fair he was 18 inches below Reese, so Reese has got to move his head somewhere <laughs> close to him and need to get anywhere near him it was like what are you doing he didn't even do anything wrong he just simply jumped above him headed the ball out for a corner you've got a corner mm. in injury time and you're worried about squaring up to us I'm like thank god um, that happened and also thank god Corley Woodrow was the man on the end of that because if anyone deserved a goal for as we as I said in a podcast or two ago what he's put in on the training ground despite all of the injuries that he's had over the last 12 months is the patience that he's shown and the the way he's gone about the place and everything else Corley deserved that and to do it and he broke his hand earlier in the game as well um to be on the end of that magical and um from a Luke Berry corner as well it was just brilliant and uh, yeah like I said a minute ago we do not give in we do not stop to where that final whistle goes and yet again for the 250th time this season we have got our just rewards yeah not quite that many but it is 15 of 29 goals scored this season so it's over 50 percent um that's phenomenal really to to be one of those sides that goes towards the end I did kind of wonder whether at the very end that's why um Jared Robert Smith was egged on to do a bit of um, cheering at the final whistle. Because the way he repaired, uh, t- taped up Woodrow's hand, you mean? Well, also that, but he's the uh, fitness strength guy. Well, oh, yeah. sorry, I've, I've forgotten your title, Jared. Strength but and conditioning, yeah. 
he's got to be a huge part in how they're able to do that because they are so fit that they can continue pushing and pushing and pushing. And it, you know, I talked at the beginning of this um, podcast about the psychology of um, the result, but the psychology of Luton continuing to do this must put the frighteners up people, especially how good they are at set pieces and everybody knows it. And it's like, it's kind of one of these things, you know it, but it's so difficult to stop. Um, and, you know, it was a great ball. And Bez has got his arms up celebrating before, before he's even in. So he, he knows something that, that we don't. But, um, yeah, it's just amazing how um, you get towards the business end of the game. And you, if, if, you've, if you're still in the game, you just fancy Luton. And it's just, that's, that lifts the crowd. It, it's it's going to be so crucial for the second half of the season because Luton do stay in games. Just gives you a huge, um, you know, shot at, at getting something out of them. Yeah, like James just said, that's 15 goals out of 29 this season scored in the last 15 minutes or later. I haven't got the exact number, but we must be getting towards double figures for substitutes scoring goals for Luton as well. See, that's a great point you just made about Jared Robert-Smith, but also Rob Edwards, Richie Kyle and Paul Trollope deserve an awful lot of credit because near enough, every substitution they make has an impact on the game in one way or another. And, you know, substitute crosses for substitute to score yesterday and, you know, substitute scored the equaliser at Burnley. It happens time and time and time again. You go back to the other one that we always reference at Knott's Forest, substitute crosses for substitute to score and it's it's just amazing how often these subs have an impact yeah and also if you're talking about set piece goals and the level they've got a couple of weeks ago match of the day did this gushing piece on the arsenal guy who does the set pieces where's the one for alan mccormack because uh, you know if if this guy for arsenal is like just been brought in to do that job and he's new, then I'm sorry, but Luton have been doing that for a while because Alan Sheehan before him, he was the guy that was doing it. And there must be something in the water up at the brace because they they are nailing these um, set pieces and it's a huge, huge weapon for, for Luton. Yeah, it really is. And they're all different, these set pieces, aren't they? And that's the thing. Maybe that's why we're so good at these set pieces because teams look at the one that we've just done and they guard against that. But we've got another one up our sleeve for the next one and yeah long may they continue because certainly in the next two games we're up against teams who are horrendous at defending set pieces and crosses in general so going to have a big big part to play I think so um, it's a huge stat because I, a long time ago at the start of the season I found this stat about the overall total conversions for um, corners in the league was around about 3% and Luton must be absolutely rinsing that one up even if they're not the 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 optics of it of them going of of continually scoring goals from set pieces is uh it put, puts the frighteners up up teams for sure so um yeah long may that continue indeed yeah much deserved victory it really was if we'd got them back into a replay it'd have been the most unjust replay of all time it we we were so much the better side and in comparison to the league game the difference in front of our very eyes was there for all to see. Um, let's come on to Corley Woodrow then. It's so good that he had that moment because, you know, obviously he was with us as a kid. He knows all about the story, you know, and he knows what 
it means to the fans and everything else. And he was straight over to the fans. Sometimes our players go into the opposite direction, don't they? But not on this occasion. As a wall of stewards, they didn't have any chance either. <laughs> he was straight through them as well. And uh, yeah, brilliant celebration. But you mentioned right at the start of this podcast, his goal against Norwich, which has kicked this whole Rob Edwards era off. He's going to have a part to play between now and the end of the season. We think he's going to stay beyond Wednesday and I hope he does stay beyond Wednesday. He's not going to have a major starting role to play, you wouldn't think, unless there are injuries down the line. But there are still 18 league games left. So let's say he comes off the bench in half of those. If he can score in three of those, the three goals could be massive. So that confidence boost that he got on Saturday down the line at some point could prove huge for us. I think so. Um, And he... You know, he loves the club. He, he, he could tell that, well, not even tell it. He said it in his post-match interview. And um, I just think that that goal, you know, in in terms of um, the timing as well, it just had all the kind of deja vu vibes of that Norwich goal. And that was so crucial for everything that Rob, the Rob Edwards era has happened, has, for everything that's happened in the Rob Edwards era, I should say. And to do that against a now relegation rival who are not in a happy place on the pitch, they're not in a happy place off the pitch, is a massive goal to do that because there's no coming back from a goal that late. And they would have, they'd have known that and it just, their form at home is atrocious. I mean, Luton have won one fewer game at Goodison Park than Everton all season. Um so it's 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 there's so many different um sort of connotations of what that goal meant and all of them are good for Luton. Yeah they are. Yeah, I mean I've always said it uh, and I don't you know I'm not the only one obviously Rob thinks it as well. Corley Woodrow is a good player. The problem he's got is he's in a squad with a lot of good players and the other problem he's got is we play a system that doesn't play to his strengths his strength would be as a number 10 and we don't play an out and out genuine number 10 but he hasn't sulked he comes on in a wide array of positions he doesn't always impact the game but find me someone who does always impact the game and you'll be taking a while to find it but you remember the impacts that he does have and that's pretty much all you want really so um, hopefully his hand isn't too bad hopefully I mean I'm sure you're not going to keep him off the bench while he's fit having had all the injury problems that he's had anyway and when we when he's called upon in the league games down the line hopefully he can have a similar impact in those someone else who's had a big impact uh, in January James who may also be here um at the end of the transfer window is Luke Berry. It's only on the pitch for about 25 minutes yesterday, but Jesus, what a cameo. Running around like headless chicken, taking out anything that moved, taking out things that don't move like Sean Dyche. <laughs> took him right out, wiped him out. Right, you're gone. Yeah. And now I'll take the corner that we're going to score the winner from as well. And like you say, his corner was so good. He was celebrating long before the ball hit the back of the net. Brilliant, that challenge on Dyche, wasn't it? <laughs> and actually, fair play to Dyche because he hasn't made a big thing of it. He's laughed it off. He's pulled Luke Berry up and we've got on. There's a few managers who have been rolling around, giving it the big and wanting all sorts of repercussions from it. So credit where credit's due there to Sean Dyche. But we know that Sean Dyche is, to coin the phrase, a man's man. I mean, he played for us back in the day. He's that old school centre half. So yeah, no fair play to him. And that, and that just kind of showed the spirit that the game was played in, actually. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, you wouldn't expect Dice to be rolling around there. He you know, gargles with nails, doesn't he? <laughs> like, um, but Bez was, yeah, what 
his effectiveness is is there for all to see, and it always has been. Um, even in the, the championship, when uh, you, you can say like the the Blackburn game when he came on and scored those two crucial goals, but if he's not scoring, then he's providing those assists and stuff. But he's a threat as well, and probably a in certainly in the Premier League, probably a much sort of not an unthought of threat which is a good bonus for for Luton because you know a lot of certainly fans don't know really what Luton are about so um if the managers and the coaches are that way inclined as well because he doesn't get a lot of action but when he does he's always a threat and balls of steel as well let's not forget he took the fifth penalty at Wembley the you know the the all important fifth penalty and, and they were getting the magnitude of them penalties were growing by the kick weren't they so uh yeah, no, fantastic to see Bez. I mean, he looked, I, if you didn't get wiped out by Bez yesterday, I don't know what you were doing, actually. <laughs> he was charging around. It was absolutely brilliant. One other person I want to touch on, James, and I really want to touch on this because the team sheet um, basically told us that Ryan Giles is going to hold. Uh, he wasn't even on the bench. So we now, we now know that that transfer is going to happen at some point. Uh, all the details of that to be revealed. Therefore, Joe Johnson's 25 minutes was important. It was important anyway, because he may well be called upon at some point, even if it's only the longer we stay in this cup. But to look as good as he did at the age that he does, you know what? We're not going to miss Ryan Giles, really. No, it it just hasn't worked out for for Ryan Giles. It's 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 more to do with Doughty's um, fantastic season, really, because he was. Giles came in and he was first choice. And then when Doughty did get his chance and didn't let it go, and now look at him, he's, you know, we're constantly talking about him as a outside bet for England. And, um, you know, whether that will happen is a, a different <laughs> debate, but he's up there as one of the best wingers in the Premier League. is remarkable, isn't it? And um, the amount of, um, you know, the, the money that he's put in his own head <laughs> There is, is, a, is another thing that somewhere down the line will, will probably be a benefit, but hopefully he stays for a lot longer because he's such an integral part. But, you know, sometimes these things just don't work out for, for players. And if Luton can recoup most of the money that they spent on him, then it's no harm, no foul, really. But, um, yeah, for, for Johnson... I know we joked about it in the last podcast about his initials being JJ and he, as long as your initials are JJ in the academy, you get you get a good shot. But it, it has all the sort of hallmarks of how JJ, the original, <laughs> James Justin, was sort of introduced into the side to sort of gradually at first. And he's certainly somebody that is very highly thought of. He's been in umpteen match squads and um, you, you don't, they're not just going to hand those out, really. But we we we're led to believe he's very well thought of, isn't he? And, and they see him as a sort of a a long a long term thing, a long term project. But I don't mean long term is like years. It could come on quite quickly, really. Now because he's getting these minutes, and he had plenty against Everton, and that would do in the world of good to have experienced that sort of last minute. Joy and there's a great photo of him and Corley Woodrow running off celebrating. Those sorts of things will stay with you, but it, the, the longer he's in and around that sort of environment, um, c- 
can only be good. And that's that kind of is, you know, it's what fans feed off, isn't it? To have one of your own doing it. So um, I hope I hope that continues. I, I mean, we're, we're we're led to believe that uh, Luton are close to getting the the Japanese fella. Who I'm not I'm not about to pronounce now, but I'll, I'll try my best if if he does come on board. But um, so the, the, there's going to be competition um, in, the, in on the pitch, but they'll they'll need that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's really promising from. Daiki Hashioka. It looks like it's 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 nearly there. It, it was Leeds and Luton by all accounts, and um, Leeds have virtually thrown the towel in on it. So if Luton can get that at that two million euros, which is what's being quoted, and that is again, you just have to hold your hands up and say what that that you know, even if it doesn't turn out, if it doesn't work out, two million pounds in the grand scheme of things where Luton currently are is nothing to um, outlay on a, on a player that could potentially be your next right back. My phone obviously agrees with you. It's making um, positive noises. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, uh, right back, uh, Japanese international right back for him. Yeah. Just going back to Joe Johnson. So composed for a kid of 18 years old on the ball. And if Alfie Doughty does get into the England squad, we'll have the senior England left back and the under-18 England left-back. So we've only got to sign the under-21 and we've got the full set, haven't we? It's it's crazy that a club like Luton can have, you know, these this sort of talent this quickly in our Premier League um, campaign. You know, I, I really enjoyed watching Joe uh, yesterday, as I did when he played against Middlesbrough on his debut. And um, was it Hull, wasn't it, that we played last game of last season? He just doesn't didn't look out of place. He was up against a genuine Premier League campaigner in Jack Harrison, Kept him kind of quiet, won a few aerial duels, didn't really give the ball away very much. Okay, he didn't get as far as far forward as maybe Alfie would do, but I think largely that that was the state of the game as well. And also, you got to think he was on a he was on a much weaker team that finished the game in terms of player personnel and profile than the one that started it. Ross Barkley had gone off, Sambi Laconga had gone off, Alfie Doughty had gone off, Eli Adebayo and Andros Townsend had all gone off by this point. Um, but, you know, Rob obviously has enough faith in Joe Johnson and quite rightly so based on the evidence of that. And it'll be interesting to see how his progression um, continues throughout. And if and if Ryan Giles leaving allows his progression to happen quicker, that can only be for the benefit for player, club and everyone, really. Yeah. And I think it also, this is why I, I really hope that people... I know people get really sort of excited about transfers and stuff. The January window is not the one. It never really has been. Luton pulled off a couple of good signings last January, certainly with with Marvellous coming in. But it, Luton do their business so well in the summer and they do it early. And in the case of like Barkley, they do it under the radar ninja style. So nobody nobody has a clue what's going on. Um and the the prices are inflated in January, and I know everyone, I know a lot of people get excited about it, and some people go over the top about it. But if, like you say, Giles going out gives Johnson more of an opportunity, wouldn't that be a better situation? Even if he's not quite as experienced and up to the level of Giles, but they think that he will come on really quickly because he seems like he has already improved. 
uh, enough that they can put him on in a a game, an FA Cup game, which they want to win, but can still swing either way because it's level and uh, the scores are level. So hopefully it sort of shows to people that when they say they they anticipate coming out of, out of it stronger, it doesn't necessarily always mean you have to sign somebody. Yeah, exactly that. That's the thing. You know, you just got to look at the overall picture. And the good thing about Joe Johnson is for another three years, he's not in the 25-man squad. So if he's effectively becoming a Premier League player and not in the 25-man squad, you can make your squ- overall squad even stronger by signing 25 players that are in it. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's good. I, I was really pleased to see him and I hope we see him against Manchester City in the fifth round. Um, one last sort of talking point on social media yesterday and it's kind of dampened a little bit, I suspect, with that fifth round draw against the champions. Would you rather Luton win the cup and go down? Now, these two are not mutually exclusive, right? <laughs> Nothing says that you can only do one and not the other. Obviously, the answer is you'd rather win the cup and stay up. However, if the two options on the table are win the cup and go down or stay up and get knocked out by Manchester City, which boat are you throwing your gear in? Well, the romantic in you says the FA Cup because, you know, I think even Wigan will say they they enjoyed win, winning that cup Um far more than anything that's happened since, even though they got relegated that season as well. Um, but Wigan had been an established Premier League side by that point. So I think when, for 24 hours, it was glorious, wasn't it? And then we got the draw and it was Manchester City. So Luton are going to have to do it the absolutely hardest way possible. It's it's still doable. I think at the time, as soon as the draw came out, I was initially deflated because it you know I thought that it could be Maidstone and then you get Manchester City I think it's doable because uh, Luton was so good in that game and then it'll be probably a night game it's definitely a night game it's a midweek round for yeah. the fifth round um, so that's a, that's a bonus as well um, so you know it is still doable and a good cup run can still be on I think logically and using your head another season in the Premier League if if you think that the 100 plus million pounds that they've got from this is going to basically pay for power court and keep Luton sustainable into the future you get it again I mean you, you can just kick on from there and you, you know how well Luton do uh, in terms of their planning for things anyway uh, squad wise and infrastructure wise and all these different things it just it gives them so much more leeway to do that and to to against all odds stay in the premier league i think it, it's it i'd sort of say staying in the premier league would be i don't i almost having a battle with it in my own head i don't want to say that because I, I fa cup would be unbelievable but i think long term while the memories of an FA Cup would be unbelievable and last you until your dying day in the same way that Little was Cup did. The effect of staying in the Premier League is going to have such a huge boost to this team. It means for absolute sure you keep all those players unless huge, huge money comes in for them. And then we all know that yeah, we all know that Luton are a selling club and they can't turn that sort of stuff down and they probably wouldn't anyway because they wouldn't want to stand in players' way if they got huge money to go to a big team. But it just makes the whole, it just makes the future just hugely positive. 
Fair enough. What about you? A cup win. Cup win. <laughs> Every single day of the week, cup win. Cup win. I, I did. I, just I pl- think back. Just, I played it. I sat on the fence a bit there. You but, did. But, yeah. Just think back eight months to that afternoon at Wembley. It's the most magical afternoon. And we had a little cup win at the end of it. You, you can't beat it as a football fan going and seeing your team win a cup at Wembley. It's unbelievable. I mean, to play devil's advocate, we get relegated. Wilco just, Wilco said it in our last podcast. If we get relegated, we'll be favourites to come straight back up because you're given the financial clout to do so. Mm. Let's win the cup. And not only you win the cup, let's go in Europe. We've, we were denied that the last time we won the cup. Let's go and win the cup, have a European adventure. I should stress, there's nothing in the world that says that you are, you can't win a cup and stay up. Just because Wigan went down that season. You can win the cup and you can stay up. And I think Roy Keane said it when he was filling in whilst all that trouble was happening at West Brom earlier. The momentum it gives you, the positive energy it gives the players when they win a cup game. Everton are going to go into training today and they're going to have their shoulders slumped and they're like, well, what are we really playing for now and struggling to get themselves up for it? Our boys are going in, you know, shoulders out, chests out, buzzing, can't wait for the next game to come along. And, you know, there's only two more fixtures that clash with Premier League games so it's not like we're going to be rearranging games here there and everywhere they're both at home as well quarterfinal and semi-final day so we're only rearranging home games let's give this a damn good go yes City are going to be hard they're going to you know they're the benchmark you've got to beat them at some point may as well beat them at Kenworth Road you've got much better chance beating them under the lights of Kenworth Road than you'll ever have beaten them at Wembley and also the timing of that fifth round game it comes Pretty good for Luton. It's right smack bang in the middle of a Champions League tie, which obviously City are going to be all about. The previous Saturday, they're away at Bournemouth. The previous midweek, they've got their rearranged game with Brentford. The following weekend, they've got the Manchester Derby. If something has to give in that period, it might be an FA Cup tie at Luton. And as we've just seen in the league game, there weren't a huge amount between the sides when nothing gave. You just don't know when you put those floodlights on in in addition to it. Well, I'm sold, Kev. I'll have my cake and I'll eat it. Thank you very much. <laughs> there it is. Absolutely. Uh, cup win. And, you know, if the football gods say, well, you've had your day out, but you've got to go down. So be it. I mean, I would kind of add to it. It would be fantastic if the cup win was Jurgen Klopp's last game in charge of Liverpool and Ross Barkley scored the winner. But that's going a bit too <laughs> above and beyond, right? I'm just happy with the cup win. If we get the cherry on top of the cake, then so be it. But hey, Cup win for me, mate, all day long. They're the memories that you cherish. You know, when I'm going to be telling kids and grandkids or in my case at the minute, nieces of the best days of supporting Luton, they're not going away to Brentford in the Premier League. They're going and winning cup games. And I mean, even yesterday I was on the way up to Everton and all I could think about was the same round 11 years previous at Norwich. They're just games that you remember and they haven't even won the cup. So if you had the cup win on top of it, you never forget it. They're what you're in it for as a football fan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I've done what I was thinking. <laughs> no, I want it both, really. Um, a cup run would be great. To win it would be uh, unbelievable. To stay in the Premier League would be life-changing, all that stuff. But it all feels very, very possible at the moment. Um, um, I was momentarily really disappointed by the draw because the hardest one. But then sometimes social media surprises you and went on there and there was so much positive positivity about from largely people going, no, we, we can still do this. They have to come here and we'll give them a good game and it can be done. So that picked me up a bit. So I'll have it all, please. 
I'll have my cake. I'll eat it. Cherry on top. Thank you very much. The one thing I will say, James, is I came away from Goodison Park yesterday so much, and I've never not been confident of this, but so much more confident that Luton Town will be a Premier League club come June. If they're the team that we're chasing, we are so much better than them. We really are. And I'm not I'm not saying this to be controversial or anything else like that. The game of football that I watched play out in front of me yesterday, Luton are a better team than Everton on the Everton's own patch. Nothing's really going to change. I think Sean Dyche said in his post-match press conference, he has no money to make any transfers with. What he's got is what he's got. Whereas we are going to improve in the next few days if this Japanese international is a sign of things to come. I just really think that over the remaining 18 games, we're going to be a point better than Everton. And that's without what what may come down the line for Everton as well. Yeah, I think it as well, even before we, uh, yesterday's game, I, I, it only has to be one team. And at the minute, if it's going to be them, it could could be Forrest as well. Let's be honest, um, we don't know the extent of the two charges that they've both been hit with, but it could be. They're, they're both looking over their shoulder and worrying um, if any team's going to do it, it's going to be Luton because, you know, I, you can still come back to the historical statistics that Sheffield United and Burnley haven't amassed enough points so far historically to stay up. No team has ever done it. They're going to have to pull off some sort of miracle. Whereas Luton are building nicely. They're progressing. They're, there's a, this hugely steep learning curve and improvement curve. They're starting to keep the ball more they're being more effective they've got the set piece weapon Ross Barkley's uh, on song Andrews Townsend's only getting better you know it's it, everything's looking up it really is yep absolutely um, yesterday was big yeah psychologically big I really think that that last minute goal I mean their fans cleared off second year at the back of the net you could tell they were dejected and as I say Roy, you know Roy Keane's been in that situation. He knows exactly what it's like. You know, okay, not necessarily as a player, but certainly as a manager, he'll have been in. And, you know, we're just going to be bouncing this week. And, um, yeah, fantastic. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Before we go, though, thank you very much to everyone who's got in touch with us uh, regarding comments for the David Wilkinson podcast. It seems that everyone enjoyed it as much as me and James did enjoy recording it with Wilco. Obviously, we thank Wilco for coming along. And joining us once again. A few comments, James, have been from people asking if we can get more club insiders on the podcast. We will do our best. If you've got someone in mind in particular that you'd like us to chat to, let us know in the YouTube comments or on social media at Luton ST. Uh, exactly who you want. This is a podcast for you guys after all, and we will do our best to get that person on. Please don't inundate me with requests for Gary Sweet. I will get Gary Sweet on this podcast. At the moment, he is knee deep. Well, no, he's not. He's neck deep in power court stuff. And that is a hell of a lot more important than waffling on with me and James. So once that's all died down and spades are in the ground and the build of power court starts, we will get Gary Sweet on the podcast. But if there's anyone else that you would like uh, us to chat to, let us know exactly who and we'll put the wheels in motion of getting them on and um, bringing to you exactly what you want. But comments from the Wilco pod, fantastic. We we read, read them all and appreciate them all. Yeah, I think everyone really warms to David. Um, it's, you know, his love for the club is is clear there. And, and I, don't, I just think that not necessarily that he's come on our, our podcast, but I'm very grateful for it. Just the fact that you can find the chairman of your club 
on the, a podcast or you can find them in, in the pub before an away game, stuff like that. It's just things that lots of clubs in the Premier League, they just don't have. Um, and it's it's testament to the sort of bond that uh, him and Gary and the board and that they have with, with, with fans. And it's, yeah, I think that's just what, one of the great strengths of Luton Town Football Club. Yep, absolutely. As I say, anyone in particular in mind that you'd like us to interview on the podcast, let us know who it is and we'll do our best to get that person on the podcast. Until then though, thanks very much for watching or listening, however it is you've consumed this podcast. Thanks for your company, James. Really enjoyed this one. Love, <laughs> love recapping uh, Luton wins, particularly Luton wins against entitled bunches like uh, some of their fans were yesterday. Um, Thanks also to the Hightown Club for staging the podcast as always, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for all the intro music. Oh, quick a quick plug, Kev, because um, if you like the intro music by Sean Grant and the Wolfgang, um, they are playing in Luton at the Castle on Thursday. In fact, the Castle all week have got um, events because they have, they're the only venue in Bedfordshire that are part of Independent Venue Week, which is a huge initiative to support grassroots music venues. So if you like that, uh, get down there. I'll certainly be down there. See you down front. Don't let that last bit be a reason not <laughs> to go, though. Do still go. If you can support the Luton music scene, there's all sorts of sort of culture things in Luton that are kind of finding pennies hard to find. So any sort of support that you can give the community in that way, That'd be absolutely fantastic. So, yep, uh, that's a great thing to go to. And also Ed Smith Creative for all of the designs that you see on set. We thank him as always. As I say, thanks for watching, listening. The next podcast will be a preview of the huge Premier League game against Brighton and Hove Albion. But until then, come on, you hatters. You know what I love about this town is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul.